Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelsang, and this is episode number 515. As part of our Art of Living interview series, our guest today is Dr. Samuel Oppenheim, and our topic is Social Security Payments, Changes, and New Year Updates. Sam Oppenheim taught history at California State University of Stanislaus in Turlock, California from 1971 to 2005. He now lives in Massachusetts. Dr. Oppenheim has a master's degree from Harvard and a PhD from IU. Dr. Oppenheim is known for his sharp sense of humor, history expertise, and self-described gadfly reputation. Dr. Oppenheim is a friend and someone I know well, along with his wonderful family. Dr. Oppenheim has written an editorial on current Social Security proposals, summarizing the Biden administration's plans and what may lay ahead for many in the Not Old Better Show audience who subscribe and benefit directly from Social Security. Dr. Oppenheim is not a member of the administration, nor is he a member of the Social Security Administration, and he's not a politician. Dr. Oppenheim worked as a professor for many years past his 65th birthday, and so he knows passionately about the Social Security system and has firsthand common-touch advice about what's to come, whether you elect Social Security at 65 or work into your later years. I mean, I suspect that uh, X number of your older audience probably will not would, would not want these changes. <laughs> Because, it, I mean, it would mean they would have to pay more in the Social Security, I guess. Well, I guess, no, no, if they're not working, I guess it wouldn't make any difference unless they continue to work. And people who want, you know, don't need to work, 65 is young today. And, I mean, I know that I taught almost half time until 2018. And, you know, it, it, the money doesn't hurt coming in, but, I mean, I could have lived, we could have lived without it. But I just enjoy teaching. I miss, I miss teaching very much. Um but that's the way it goes. That, of course, is our guest today, Dr. Samuel Oppenheim. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show, Dr. Sam Oppenheim. Dr. Samuel Oppenheim, welcome to the program. My pleasure to be with you today. It's good to talk to you. I think you know, we're at the start of the year. Many of us are thinking about planning for a new year. I think it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful to have uh, perhaps a new administration uh, coming in and shaping some many of these policies. And, and I'd like to talk to you today about Social Security. Lots of questions, I think, are on people's minds about this subject, and uh, you've written about it. Uh, I received a, uh, an editorial of yours that was a special to the Modesto B, and we'll get into that. But let's start with a, just kind of an overarching question, very, very basic kind of top level. What, what percentage of Americans receive Social Security today, and why is that element important to the future of Social Security payments? Well, uh, that's a good question. Uh, over 64 million people, more than one in every six U.S. residents, received Social Security benefits in June of 2020. While older Americans make up about four in five of those beneficiaries, another one-fifth receive Social Security disability insurance or young survivors of deceased workers. Um, Social Security, in fact, is the sole source of income for about one in five people age 65 or older. And indeed, Social Security benefits play a vital role in reducing poverty in every state, and Social Security benefits lift more Americans above the poverty line than any other program. Statistics studies show that without Social Security, 
almost 22 million more Americans would be poor. This according to an analysis used using the March 2019 current population survey. Although most of those whom Social Security keeps out of poverty are elderly, almost 7 million are under age 65, and that includes over 1 million children. Thus, uh, the reduction, any kind of reduction in Social Security benefits uh, could significantly increase poverty, particularly among the elderly. And that is a real, that's a social problem. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. I'm going to be 64 this year. I have not elected to take Social Security. In essence, I'm I'm continuing to contribute. And and you suggest in in the, your editorial, and we're going to put a link to where people can find out more information about you, Dr. Oppenheim, as well as this special to the Modesto B editorial that you've written. The real issue really is this ratio of income to Social Security contributions. So explain what that means, because I think that's an important element in all of this. Okay, that's good. Uh, The Social Security tax rate for the average wage earner is 6.2% of salary. Uh, Independent contractors pay double that, 12.4%. But the amount one pays is limited. For instance, this year, the top limit is $137,000. In 2019, median household income in the United States was $68,700. That means as many families were below that 68700 level as above it. But the top amount you pay on, which goes up each year, was 137,000 in 2019. In 1995, it was 61,000. In any case, what this means is that the family that earns $68,000 pays $4,259, 6.2%. The person who earns 137,000 pays 6.2% of that. But the person who earns $1 million still only pays on the first $137,000. For the first family, in other words, the one who makes the median income, the amount paid would be 6.2% of their income. For the second, it would be 1.6% of total income. And for those who make a million dollars or met more, they're paying essentially less than paying into Social Security less than one tenth of one percent. Mm-hmm. And that is a lot of families. I'm an independent contractor, so I'm paying twelve point four percent. That is a lot. You you talk about some of the proposals to Social Security in your special to the Modesto B, and I wonder if you review some of those proposals now because that might change some of this. It also is going to have some bearing on what we all pay, including those of us who are considered independent contractors. But but let's talk about those proposals that you refer to. Okay, good. Uh, Basically, I had two. One was minimum age changes. So if every family paid 6.2%, that would bring in much more money to Social Security. Um, And of course... 
sometimes we don't realize how many really wealthy people there are. There were 675,000 new millionaires in the United States between 2018 and 2019. Overall, there are about 18.6 million millionaires in the United States and over 705 billionaires. So if they all paid 6.2% in the Social Security, or in your case, 12.4%, because you have an employer that's matching that, um, Social Security would be much, much more stable. Furthermore, when Social Security started in 1935, life expectancies was lower than 65. In other words, most people, or many people, didn't even reach 65. Today, life expectancy in the United States is closing in on 80 years. Hence, Social Security pays out far more to people for many years longer. A person who, who lives to be 80, which is my age, is very likely to receive far more benefits uh, than people did in earlier times when they died sooner. Then, again, if we increase the age of Social Security, say, and we've already increased it from 65 to 67, say uh, 69 or 70, that also would bring in far more money uh, because many, many people have their highest income in the last years they work. And so that if the average person worked until, say, age 69, he or she would still have a lot of time left, statistically, on average. Um, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, that help a little mm-hmm. bit? Very much. I don't want to confuse too, too many people. Some of this is, is really complex. Uh, we'll see that as we move on, probably. Yes. And, and again, we're with Dr. Samuel Oppenheim, a history professor, uh, retired now, and... Uh, longtime friend of mine and, and my family, and we're, we're talking about Social Security. And I guess we have to ask, though, Dr. Oppenheim, you know, it is possible that Social Security won't even have enough money. So is it is it important to even be talking about this? Will we get some resolution from some of these proposals? And, and maybe just answer the question for us, why does the Social Security Fund need additional contributions even to, to remain well, viable for all yeah. of us? The, the earlier the age of a person, the more important it is to make sure that the Social Security trust funds have enough money. Uh, those trust funds are the old age and survivor's insurance, sometimes usually called the OAS, OASI, and the disability insurance, DI trust funds. They serve two important purposes. First, they provide an accounting mechanism for tracking all income into and disbursements from the trust funds, and two, they hold the accumulated asset reserves. In other words, what people have paid in over the years. Uh, these accumulated reserves provide automatic spending authority to pay the benefits that Social Security uh, people receive. Uh, by law, income to the trust funds must be invested on a daily basis in securities guaranteed as to both the principal and the interest by the federal government. And the government has always repaid the Social Security Trust Funds with interest. Now, some benefits could be paid even if the trust fund reserves are depleted, but it would force Social Security to pay a lower amount of money to the beneficiaries. This is why getting more money into the Social Security Trust Fund is important. For instance, the reserves 
were nearly depleted in 1982 under President Reagan. No beneficiary then was shortchanged because the Congress enacted temporary changes in, in legislation that permitted borrowing from other federal trust funds and then later enacted legislation to strengthen the old age survivors insurance trust fund financing. And the borrowed amounts were repaid with interest within four years. Now, and here's where it gets tricky. As of 2020, the trust fund will be able to pay scheduled benefits on a timely basis until 2034. Uh, benefits increase each year uh, by the amount of increase in the consumer price increase. And um, uh, that has been low in recent years. Uh, but at the current rate, after 2034, the fund's reserves will only be sufficient to pay 76% of scheduled benefits. That means that if, if nothing is done to help this fund, people are going to see a, a sharp reduction in 2034. And now we have to remember, if we look at something like this, that 2020 was a bad year because at least 10 million people lost their jobs. New weekly claims for unemployment are still between 800,000 and a million a week. People on unemployment insurance don't pay into Social Security. Strangely, they do pay income tax on unemployment benefits, but don't pay into Social Security or Medicare. So that means a lot less money has been coming in in the last, since well, since March of last year. Uh, and furthermore, the uh, nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office predicted a few days ago that employment levels will not get back to COVID, pre-COVID levels until 1924. That's three more years. That means that the Social Security funds will not be getting money from, from these people. So we see that at, at the current levels, without support, regular Social Security benefits will run out or will have to be depleted, and, and beneficiaries would receive much less. If we turn to hospital insurance, the HI Trust Fund, which pays Medicare, those expenses uh, will have difficulty only uh, well, after 2026. That's only five years from now. And if it's not enhanced, it will only be able to pay 90% of total scheduled benefits. Well, those of us who are in Social Security know how important Medicare is. Simply put, Longevity and increasing medical costs require that the funds receive more benefits to avoid cutting benefits. To avoid cutting benefits. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I guess the big question immediately then is, what's the likelihood of this happening in your opinion? And, and I suppose where does President Biden's administration stand currently on this subject? Well, um, during the campaign, it was uh, said sometimes that in 1982, Biden was prepared to cut Social Security benefits. But remember that 1982 was a time when the benefits ran into the first first great difficulty they had ever had. Uh, you know, it, it appeared as though that might be necessary, in which case uh, then Senator Biden said, well, if, if it's absolutely necessary to do, we have to do it. But as, uh, as I mentioned, the government took money from other trust funds and put it into Social Security, um, so that that wouldn't happen. 
uh, if one looks at the Democratic Party's platform last year, the Republican Party did not put out a platform. The Democrats did. Um, they argue, and I quote, Democrats are the party that created and strengthened Social Security, defended it, a decent monthly income. We will enact policies to make Social Security more progressive, including increasing benefits for all beneficiaries, meaningfully increasing minimum benefit payments, increasing benefits for long-duration uh, beneficiaries, and protecting surviving spouses from benefit cuts. Well, you know, platforms are just that. What are uh, now President Biden's specific plans? Well, one is to do what I talked about and what many other people, is not my idea. I mean, this idea uh, has been around for a long time. President Biden wants to increase payroll taxation on high earners. In other words, the 6.2%. Um, his plan would, for some reason, uh, skip the people who earn between 137000 and 400000 but all earnings over 400000 will be subject to the payroll tax. Well, uh, with, with that enormous number, millions, almost 20 million, 18.6 million uh, millionaires and over 705 billionaires, that would be a lot of money. Uh, furthermore, with the understanding that Social Security is first and foremost designed to provide a financial foundation for lower-income retirees, the President's plan aims to boost special minimum monthly benefits to 125% of the federal poverty level for low-income workers with a history of, of at least uh, or between 10 and 30 years of working. Uh, the President would also like to increase payouts for long-lived recipients. recipients. As uh, as people age, I refer to myself as a, a sofa, S-O-F-A, as a senior old fart. Um, as people age, their out-of-pocket costs for health care and transportation services can soar, can soar. Under President Biden's plan, beneficiaries between the ages of 78 and 82 would see their primary insurance amount rise by 1% annually until it reached a full 5% increase. This would provide aged beneficiaries with a modest benefit increase. The president has one other goal, and that is to switch the calculating basis for uh, Social Security benefits and increases from what's known as the CPI, uh, Consumer Price Index Workers, to the CPE, uh, Consumer Price Index for the Elderly. Without getting too far into the weeds, uh, the CPIW, according to many people, does a poor job of tracking the spending habits of seniors, which means cost of living adjustments, or the COLAs, tend to be understated. If uh, the government switched to the CPIE, the expenditures of seniors, uh, again, who make up 80% of the beneficiaries, would gain more prominence. So those are the specific plans or the goals that came out um, during the campaign. <clears throat> what, what is your best guess for all of this happening, in, in your well, opinion? I wouldn't hold my breath. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that Social Security needs to be beefed up. Beefed up. I believe that is uh, a bipartisan matter, but uh, there are immediate complicating factors. 
First of all, the president has said that his administration's first two priorities are dealing with the pandemic and getting the economy going again. Hence, it, it, it seems clear that even on a domestic level, forget everything that seems to be going on in terms of international relations, a Social Security will have to take a back seat for we don't know how long. Second, uh, we also have to look at political realities. Although there is bipartisanship support, bipartisan support, when it comes to details, there may be, and I'm sure will be, strong disagreements. Um, the simple fact is that Republicans will see any kind of increase in the amount paid into Social Security as an increase in taxes. I don't know how to respond to that. Uh, it would be paying more. When I think of, of taxes, I think of the amount that goes to the federal budget, not the amount that goes into Social Security. Uh, but every single member of Congress pays less than 6.2% because they make, I think, $178,000. They only pay up to 137000 And I suspect that many of the people who work in the Congress have spouses who continue to work so that their income is even higher. Um, and there are probably some conservative, more conservative Democratic senators, such as the Senator um, Manchin of West Virginia, uh, who may not all the time agree with the, uh, the far more liberal Democrats, some of the far more liberal Democrats, in the House of Representatives. Um, so Social Security ought to be on the agenda, and I would feel confident that President Biden would bring it to the Congress. But <laughs> you know how hard, difficult it's been getting anything through Congress uh, in recent years. So I, uh, it needs to be done. Uh, politicians often put things off as long as they can. They don't have to worry about Social Security until 2034. Medicare is coming up in, in, in just a couple of years. So, I mean, sooner or later, they're going to have to address this issue before the end of uh, the current presidential term. Uh, you know, and, and people who are concerned about this probably ought to write not just to their representatives, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, but write to people on the other side of the aisle. Uh, you can you know, do that very easily online and say, you've got to fix this. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, so we'll have to see. Mm -hmm. Well, let me, let me carry that just one step further. Um, Dr. Sam Oppenheim has been our guest. We, should, we certainly appreciate all your time. Just one final question here. Where else... Uh, do you suggest we we go to you know shed some light on this to learn a little bit more about this subject and and I suppose with your permission might we be able to even include your email address in our show notes today so that if people have questions they can just send them directly to you is is that okay Dr. Oppenheim? That's that's perfectly okay. I really don't consider myself a uh, a specialist on Social Security and it's been a pleasure uh, preparing for this you know and, and doing research. But I'd be glad to try and and do that. The best place to look for information on Social Security is the Social Security Quarterly. The Social Security Administration comes out quarterly. It's online. It's available to everyone. It has different kinds of articles on what's going on. Um, 
annually it releases its report, which talks about you know how much uh, longer it will be before benefits go down and what needs to be done and so forth and 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 so on. So that I think is is simply the best thing to get. Uh, it's it's online. It's easy um, and free. But there are other things that I use. Some one is by Sean Williams. It called uh, title is Biden's plan for Social Security. Uh, it's in a journal called The Motley Fool. It appeared in September of last year. It's available online. Uh, that article also discusses what uh, Williams thinks is good about the plan that the president has put forward, uh, what he thinks is bad, and what he thinks uh, might be the likely success of change. Another article by Lori Konish is, in, is titled Social Security Retirement Age Could Change, What That Could Mean for Benefits. That was on CBS Online uh, in January of this year. In fact, that was an article you sent me, Paul. Uh, and then, of course, there is the ever-present Wikipedia. I mean, you can look for articles on Social Security, Social Security Administration, Social Security Trust Fund, annual reports. Uh, there will be articles on, on all of those um, covering many of, of, of the issues that we've covered today. Um, and I think that anyone who wants to go into this uh, and anyone who's going to be around <laughs> past 2026 um, probably ought to do this and, and, and make a stand. I know um, our children who are nowhere near Social Security, often wonder whether that's going to be there for them. Well, I, <laughs> I think most of us would say it needs to be there for them, but to do that, changes will have to be made at some point in time, whatever that is, hopefully soon. <laughs> I hope that uh, that helps a little bit. Uh, again, I'll be glad to speak with uh, or send, discuss this on emails uh, if anyone wishes to do that. We so appreciate your time on this subject and and others, and we'd love to have you come back sometime in the future. I just have a feeling that this issue is just not going to go away. Maybe it will be addressed sooner than later, but we both know how politics works, and uh, we'd love to have you weigh in on this on a on an ongoing basis. So we'll we'll keep you in our list of those to reach out to, if that's okay with you, Doctor Oppenheim. But thanks for your time today. That'd be great. We're going to put. It's been a pleasure, uh, and you know, uh, let's let's look at this maybe two or three years from now and see if I mean if if nothing is moved forward, then there's a then there's a real problem, and we'll have to see what happens. But thank you very much. It's been a pleasure being with you, Paul, um, and I I hope I've been of some assistance to your your readers. Okay. Thank you very much, Dr. Oppenheim. We just wish you the best. We hope that uh, all's well for you and your family, that everybody's practicing safe social distancing and it's healthy. But the best to you, Dr. Oppenheim. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Bye-bye. My thanks to Dr. Samuel Oppenheim. I have contact details for Dr. Oppenheim in the show notes, and Sam has graciously offered to correspond, answer your questions, and be available as the Social Security issue becomes more defined by policy. My thanks, of course, to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. I hope you're in line for the vaccine. I hope you're practicing smart social distancing and staying safe and healthy and talking about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. 
And don't miss our next episode with Dr. Daniel Levitin, author of the New York Times bestseller, Successful Aging. You will not want to miss this interview.